It's good to see you all here this morning. I'm going to talk about treasure uh, this morning, something that is very important to all of us. In uh, Matthew chapter 13, Jesus uh, talks about several parables that uh, are about the kingdom of God, which is the church. And these parables all teach something different about the, the kingdom of God. And, and in three of these parables, he uses the illustration of a, of a field to illustrate the kingdom of God. And there are these three uh, parables that talk about this field. And I want to talk about these parables of the fields uh, just for a little bit. To start off, in the first parable, um, Jesus said there's a, a sower goes out and he sows seed all over his field. And, and part of the field, there is this really rocky ground. And he said he's sowing the word of God. And the word of God in this rocky ground, it just can't make roots. And so the sun comes out and it just bakes this and, and, it, and it never grows. It withers and dies. And then he says there's places in this field that are just full of weeds. And the weeds come and they choke out the word. And, and it dies. And it never grows. And then he says these birds keep coming. And they keep stealing the seed. And they take it away. And it doesn't have a chance. But he says, there is good ground in this field. And in this good ground, the seed, it plants this deep roots. And the word of God grows in the good ground. And you see... We are all souls in God's field. In Jesus' field, we are all these plants. And he wants us to grow. He wants us to grow. And in the second parable of the field, in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 13, Jesus says that an enemy sneaks into his field. And this enemy comes in and he's he plants these tares. Now tares are these weeds that are, they just spread everywhere. And they're nearly impossible to kill. And, and they, they do a lot of damage. And so his enemy came in and he planted these, these weeds all in his field. And before they know it, they had weeds everywhere. And so he says what he's going to have to do is separate uh, the weeds at harvest time from the good crop. And he'll separate these weeds out and he'll burn them. And that was, that's the second parable of the fields. And then the third parable of fields is in uh, Matthew 13 and verse 44. Let's read that. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid, 
And for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Jesus said this man, when he found this field, he saw that there was treasure inside. And there was treasure in this field. And so what he did, he hid the treasure in the field, but he couldn't have the treasure without buying the field. And he went to buy the field, and the owner wanted so much money for this field, he couldn't afford it. And so he went home, and he started selling things. He sold all of his animals, his livestock. He sold his land. He sold everything in his house, all of his possessions, his cherished things. He sold his house, even. He sold everything he had just to buy this field. And you might think his neighbors would ask him, you know, why are you buying this old field? It's full of rocks and weeds. And it's going to be a lot of work and headache to you. Why are you wanting this thing so badly? The man knew there's treasure. There's treasure in this field. Well... Let's think about this. Who, who was it that gave everything he had to purchase the kingdom of God, to buy the field? Who was that? Well, Jesus did, didn't he? Jesus gave everything to purchase the kingdom of God. And, it's, and why, why would he do this? Why? Well, it says there's treasure. There was a treasure in the kingdom of God that he wanted. Now, we're all souls in this kingdom. That's what it is. It's, it's a field of souls. So what possible treasure could you and I have that would be of any interest to the Almighty God? You know, people stumble over this sometimes. What do we have that God would even want? He doesn't need our possessions. He can create anything he wants just with a word. What do we have that he would even want? I mean, all of our stuff is going to burn. It's going away. It's not going to last. What do we have? Well, someone says, well, your soul, your soul is eternal. So it has value. So our souls, is that, is that something that's valuable to us? Is it valuable to God? Well, I'll be blunt. Your soul, your worthless soul is spending eternity in hell, if not for the grace of God. Without the grace of God, your soul is worth nothing. Worse than that, it's less than nothing. It's actually a liability. Without the grace of God, you'd be better off never having been born than spending eternity in hell. It is only God's grace that gives your soul value, you see. So how do you get the grace of God? 
How do we get this grace so that we would have some value to our souls? Well, the Bible says in Ephesians 2 and verse 8, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and, not, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So it's the grace, that, grace of God that saves us through what? Through faith. Through faith. Faith in God. Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in his death, burial, and resurrection. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Faith in that saves us. And that faith, that faith is valuable. That faith is valuable to us because it's valuable to God. In Romans 5, and verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So what is faith? Is faith just believing something? Is that what faith is? Well, if you back up, just one chapter here in Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 and verse 16. We see that he's talking about the kind of faith that Abraham had. And therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. So that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So he's talking about the kind of faith that Abraham had. So what kind of faith did Abraham have? Well, if we go back to the first book of the Bible, we read about Abraham and how his, his name was Abram originally. And he left his, his home, his family, his possessions, his country, everything, and went out of all of that, left it all behind to follow God. And he believed in God. And so God, he promises Abraham to give him a child and descendants from this child that is more than the stars of heaven. And Abraham believed God. And God made a covenant with him, and that's when he changed his name to Abraham. But Abraham and Sarah got to be about 100 years old, and they still had no children. It wasn't until they were over 100 years old that God fulfilled that promise and gave them a child. They gave him gave them a a son. And Abraham named his son Isaac. And he loved Isaac very much. And the child grew. And then in Genesis, Genesis chapter 21, or 22, rather, it says that God spoke to Abraham and he tells him, 
I want you to go up onto this mountain that I will show you. And I want you to sacrifice your son to me as a burnt offering. Now, how could Abraham do that? His only son that he loved. You know, there probably wasn't anyone living at that time that would have blamed Abraham for not doing that. Not that. They might say, you know, you probably misunderstood God, Abraham. He wouldn't ask you to do that. Maybe God was speaking in figurative language. He didn't actually want you to do it, Abraham. Abraham, Abraham, though he heard God, he knew what God said. And so he went and told his son that he wanted him to go and help him tomorrow make this sacrifice to God. And I imagine Abraham was probably excited to go, or rather Isaac. Isaac was probably excited to go. He probably, he might have been even proud to go. You know, the boy might have thought, Papa needs me to help him with the sacrifice. Well, the, the next morning they rose early and they saddled the donkey and they started toward this mountain. And it was a three-day journey to get there. And I wonder what they talked about. You know, as far as Abraham knew, this was the last time he was going to get to speak with his son. The last few days that he would see his boy. What would you talk about? I wonder if they talked about God and how sometimes God asks us to do things that are hard to do. Sometimes God asks us to do things we don't want to do. But but God knows things we don't. God understands things that we can't understand. And so we believe in him. And so we do what he says. Does that make sense? Maybe he talked to his son about God. But he never turned around. Abraham didn't stop. He just kept going. When they were almost there to the place God had showed him, Isaac noticed something strange. And he says, Papa, we, we have fire and we have wood, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham replied, 
He replied that God, God will provide a lamb for himself for the sacrifice. Well, they finally got there to the place. And Abraham, <clears throat> he built an altar <clears throat> and he put the wood inside. And the time had come. And then the Bible says he, he took his son and he placed him on the altar. And he tied him down onto the altar. And as Abraham looked at the face of his, his son and saw the confusion and then the fear, I would imagine tears were pouring down his face. What was he thinking? What was Abraham thinking? We don't have to imagine. Because the Bible tells us what he was thinking. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Abraham was thinking that God gave me this son from Sarah's dead womb. And he promised me I would have descendants from him. And if God wants to take him now, he can give him back. Even from the dead. He is God. And so Abraham raised the knife and began to slay his son. And he heard this booming voice from the Lord saying, Stop, Abraham. Do no harm to your son. For now I know that you fear God because you haven't even withheld your son from me. That is faith. That is faith. That is the faith of Abraham that it talks about in the New Testament. What a wave of relief must have come over Abraham as he untied and embraced his son. That kind of faith is valuable. It is a treasure to God. It is valuable to us. Guard your faith. You need to guard it. Protect it like it's the most valuable thing you have because it very well may be. 
You know, I've known people, I've, I've had friends, good friends, who were active members of the church who lost their faith. Satan found an opening and he came in and he just stole it away. And now what do they have of value? They have nothing. You know, I'm not so arrogant that I think that that could never happen to me. Satan knows your weaknesses, and that's where he'll attack. Guard your faith. Guard it by being careful who you listen to. The Bible says not every spirit is of God. Always verify that what someone says to you about God is what the Bible says. What people say about being saved is what the Bible says about being saved. Make sure it matches because we have the word of God to verify that. And be very careful about the deceptiveness of sin. You know, sin can cause you to lose hope. And if you lose hope, it's very easy to lose your faith. So be careful about sin. Ask God to strengthen your faith. Ask God to keep you from sin and, and, and strengthen it. Don't, don't let your faith become so deluded and weak that it doesn't do anything. You know, if... If I asked you if you wanted a glass of tea and you said, yes, Dusty, I would like a refreshing glass of tea. And I went and, and got this little tiny speck of a piece of a tea leaf and put it in a gallon of water and mixed it up, poured it in a glass, handed it to you, you'd probably say, what is this? I thought you were making me tea. Well, technically, it is tea. It's tea leaves seeped in water. That's what tea is. But if you're wanting tea, this isn't going to do it for you. Because it's so diluted, so weak. It doesn't look like tea. It doesn't taste like tea. And you know, if our faith gets so weak and diluted... How is it helping? How is it doing anyone any good? Oh, if we spend just a tiny fraction of our time consuming and thinking about spiritual things, our faith can become weak. Strengthen your faith by keeping, keeping your mind in the Word of God, and reading it and meditating on it. And, because it says faith comes by hearing the word of God. That's what the Bible says. And listening to spiritual songs, that can help. It can really help keep you thinking about godly things and having your mind thinking about spiritual things, the things of God and the things that God has done for you. And st strengthen your faith. Strengthen your faith by adding to it. Adding to it 
virtue and knowledge and goodness and kindness and love, as it says in 2 Peter 1 and 5. These are actions. These are things you do. Practice your faith. Exercise it. That will help strengthen your faith. Is there something that you know God wants you to do that you've been avoiding doing? Is there something you know that the Bible says you need to do this? Maybe it's Maybe it's something that's hard to do. Maybe it's something that you'll have to, to give up. Maybe it's something you don't want to lose. Maybe something you heard in a sermon or read in the Bible. Maybe it's something that your conscience is pricking you right now about. Do that. That's what you should do. Because it will strengthen your faith if you do that. Whatever it is, it can't be as hard as what God asked Abraham to do, is it? It's not that hard. Guard your faith by looking for opportunities to be around people that share your faith. You know, we all really need that. And we can, we can help each other. We can look out for each other. And we can warn each other when we see Satan trying to slip in the back window, you know. You need to look out for that. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6, he says this, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and the full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Peter knew. Peter knew what a treasure that faith was. How valuable it was. Do everything you can to make it stronger. Make your faith stronger. So that when it is tested, like Abraham was tested, your faith will not fail. If it is strong, it won't fail you. And just as Abraham told Isaac that God would provide for himself a sacrifice, God has provided a sacrifice for you. His only Son, Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is foolishness to those who don't know the faith of Abraham. They say things that you just wouldn't say 
if you were Abraham. You know, Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. And I've heard people say, you don't have to be baptized. Just say this prayer, ask God into your heart, and that's it. Is that the faith that Abraham had? Abraham heard God, heard what he said to do, and he did it. You know, what about you? Do you have the faith that Abraham had this morning? You know, the purpose of this sermon has been to strengthen your faith, to get you to see how valuable it is to God, what a treasure it is that you have in the faith that you have, and to get you to guard that faith and protect it because it is so valuable. And it's easy to get careless with our faith. It's so easy to not protect it like we should. And that's all I have this morning. I hope it has been useful to you. If you would like to study this more, I'd be glad to do it with you. And if you would like the prayers of the church or if you need help spiritually, please come now. Sit on the front pew as we stand and sing.